As we begin our close encounter with Jesus this week, we're going to pick up in John chapter 11, verse 45. I kind of read that a little bit last week to give you a prequel of where we're headed and to kind of help set up the scene for today. And uh, I want to clarify a few things. Our focal point for today is close encounters with the crowd, okay? Um, The triumphal entry, if you will. I know some of you are thinking, well, that's not until next Sunday. I understand, okay? I understand, and and you're laughing because some of you have said that to somebody today. I got it. Um, But but next week, I want to focus on the time that Jesus had communion and and some of the things that took place just before uh, his death and burial and resurrection. And so um, couldn't do all that in one day. It would be like drinking through a fire hose. So today, we're going to talk about a close encounter with the crowd, and we're going to start out kind of where we left off last week, John chapter 11, verse 45. Remember, Jesus has, has healed Lazarus. People, people have seen it. They, they've witnessed it firsthand that he has brought Lazarus forth from the grave. And uh, so here we go, verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And as they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, what do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so they might arrest him. They, they were already there with expectation, looking for Jesus. And today we're going to talk about Jesus' close encounter with the crowd. We're going to look at how he came into the city and what it meant then and what it means for us today. In short, when he encountered the crowd that day, everything the disciples had learned from Jesus, everything the crowd knew about Jesus, everything that the Pharisees thought they knew about Jesus was about to get turned inside out. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we come before you this morning, as we we open up your word, as we look at what your son has done for us, as he came into that crowd, as we think of the excitement and the, the frenzy and the worship, I pray that we may reflect on that. And I pray that we may have that same excitement in our own lives. I ask that we just put ourselves before you today. In your son's name I pray. Amen. 
John Maxwell, in his book, Be All You Can Be, tells this story of a man who was being honored at his city, as, as his city's leading citizen. They, they called on him to tell the story of his life. And he said, friends and neighbors, when I first came to this city 30 years ago, I walked into your town on a muddy dirt road with only the suit on my back and the shoes on my feet. And all of my earthly possessions wrapped up in a red bandana tied to a stick, which I carried over my shoulder. Today, I am the chairman of the board of the bank. I own hotels, apartment buildings, office buildings, three companies with branches in 49 cities. Today, I am on the boards of all the leading clubs. Yes, friends, your city has been good to me. After the banquet, a young guy approached him and said to the successful man, Sir, could you tell me, what exactly did you have wrapped in that red bandana when you walked into this town 30 years ago? The man thought for a moment and he said, I think, son, it was about half a million dollars in cash and $900,000 in government bonds. (laughs) This story makes a real sharp contrast to how you come into something. It's easy... Uh, As we talk about a close encounter, it's easy to make something of yourself when you start out with half a million dollars and $900,000 in bonds. It's it's not hard to, to climb that ladder. This man makes his story of success seem like it's an amazing rags to riches story. But in the short, it was just a wealthy to wealthier story. He came in well. And he just kept going. He makes it sound like like he came into the town with nothing but a bag over his shoulder. And he rose to the top. He makes it sound like on the surface that he actually deserves the admiration and praise of the people in the city. Today, I want to turn our attention to John chapter 12 and consider someone who truly does deserve our admiration and praise. We're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to go pretty much through John chapter 12. We're going to make some comparisons with with Luke and uh, this is going to be awesome. Six days before the Passover... Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Verse 4 says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was, a, it was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Chapter verse 12, the next day. The great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches. They went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. 
Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This is not a good day for the Pharisees. Everything they're trying keeps getting put back on them. But I want to jump over to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to start in verse 28. And I want to look at that and what Luke writes about the triumphal entry. Luke 19, verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. For a moment, all seems right with the world. The prophecy is being fulfilled. The son of God is being paraded through the streets on the, on the donkey's colt. The, the crowd is, is laying their clothing out. They're, they're breaking off the palm branches and they're, they're laying them out before him. And shouting, Hosanna. And the Son of God, the one who traded the heavens to walk the dusty earth, is being praised. Now I want you all to do something with me for just a second. I want everybody to close your eyes. And I want you to think this through a little bit. The Son of God, the one who traded the heavens to walk the dusty earth, is being praised. He's on this colt. Close your eyes. Picture this. Make this picture in your, in your minds. He's on this colt. Maybe, maybe you can kind of feel the coolness of the evening uh, approaching the desert area that they're in. Breathe deep. You can almost smell the dust in the air. I wonder if maybe you can still smell the faint perfume that was poured on his feet. You can feel the excitement and the energy of the crowd around you. Maybe, maybe you can feel the wisp of air as a, as a palm branch brushes by your face and the bearer of it cries out, Hosanna, shouts at the top of their lung, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the Lord. For a moment, all seems right with the world. But as Paul Harvey would say, we know the rest of the story. And Jesus knows the rest of the story. 
You can open your eyes now. I don't want you falling asleep. Verse 39. This is the rest of the story. We had this brief moment, this brief interlude of, of just this amazingness. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd say to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, verse 41, Jesus wept over it. He wept over the city. Do you catch that? That's the second time in a matter of days that Jesus has wept. And here, here are all these people shouting, Hosanna. All these people are worshiping him. And then the Pharisees come out and they're like, hey, quiet these people down. This is a, a serious business here. We're, we're getting ready to celebrate the Passover. Now just quiet them down. Jesus says, if, I, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Verse 41 says that as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. In the middle of what would seem like a celebration, he wept. Why? Why did he weep? Did he weep because he knew the things to come? That makes me wonder... Do you think he weeps over us too? In the midst of our celebration this morning, as we worshiped and as we prayed and as we gave our offerings and as we had communion, do you think he wept? Hold that thought for a moment. I want to finish this out. Verse 42 says, He wept and he said to the Pharisees, If you, even you, had only known on this day What would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. He's saying to the Pharisees, if you only knew what would bring you peace. You see, he knew how this triumphal entry was going to end. He knew about the coming betrayal of his followers, his closest friends. He knew about his coming arrest. He knew about his trial. He knew about his beating and his death. If you had only known on this day What would bring you peace? He knew that his pending death on the cross and his resurrection is what would bring peace and healing and wholeness even to those who mocked him throughout his life and his ministry and on this very day. And he's trying one last time to get their attention. If you only knew what was going to bring you peace. It's almost like he's telling them, you're about to get all the things you've been planning from me, but it's not going to be what you think. He even tries to warn them one last time about what is to come. Look at verse 43. He says, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Yes, he wept. The end of that verse is somewhat haunting to me. Jesus says to the Pharisees, you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I've been here all this time, he's saying, and you didn't recognize me. In the midst of this close encounter with the crowd, with this worshiping crowd, some of them are still missing the point. As the crowd sings Hosanna, He weeps. He confronts the Pharisees. He sees what's happening. He knows what's happening. And and as these people sing, 
I wonder, is there a song? Listen to these words and picture this day.
you won't find that song on iTunes or YouTube or anything just yet because Lindsay wrote it and made the music, and that's her original. Um, this is kind of how God works. I'm working through this series, and we're at her house for a small group, and she's like, hey, listen to these songs I wrote, and she bangs them out real quick, and it was awesome, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Would you sing that? <laughs> it, was, it just fits. We've looked at a lot of scriptures today and a lot of words, and it's very simple. I hope that you'll go back and you'll look at these scriptures this week some more, that you'll put yourself in this scene, this scene of worship. You see, because the one thing that really hits home for me with this whole triumphal entry thing is that it's the same people that are shouting Hosanna and waving palm branches, calling him Hosanna, saying, saying to him, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. These same people in just a few days will be shouting crucify him. They'll be saying to Pilate, give us Barabbas, set him free, but kill Jesus. Pilate, who's not even one of them, said, he's like, are you sure? And they go even farther to say, may his blood be on us and our children. It's just the same people. It's not two different crowds. And we know the steps of his crucifixion. And because we know it, we, we read this. And when we see this happening, and, and on one day they're praising him, and a few days later they're condemning him. And we cry out, what's wrong with these people? How can they do this? These are people that have seen him heal. Maybe even some of their own family members. These are people that have seen him feed thousands using just some fish and some bread. Some of these people may have even watched him when he turned water into wine. I'm sure a good amount of them just witnessed him bringing Lazarus from the dead. Just days before this. And, and we begin to question these people. Or at least I do. And I, and I begin to condemn them. Like, what, what's wrong with you? How can you do that? It's happening right before your eyes. And then I forget. We live in glass houses. I told you at the beginning of this sermon, we would see what it meant then. And what it means for us today. Sometimes I think for us, every Sunday is like a triumphal entry for us. Uh, we're like the man in the illustration at, at the beginning. Uh, you know, we, we come into town with a sack full of money. We come into church with our best. We have our, we have our palm branches and, and we lay our gifts at his feet and we parade Jesus around to one another so that we can all see how much we love him individually. And we shout Hosanna, blessed is the king. And then Monday happens. We go through a Sunday time where we worship and we focus on him. And then Monday happens. There, there's an old sermon or an old part of a sermon that's called Sunday's Coming. Some of you may have heard it. It's, a, it's about the resurrection of Jesus. It talks about his death. It talks about his mock trial. And, and every time it, it takes a break and it says, oh, but Sunday's coming. It talks about how on Sunday Jesus is going to rise from the grave and he's going to conquer all and that, that poem, that, that illustration is called Sunday's Coming. And it's to inspire us that no matter what happens, Sunday's coming. Well, I have a little bit of a devil's advocate twist on that. It's called Monday's Coming. <laughs> I wrote it up. It goes kind of like this. It's not nearly as good as Lindsay's song. <laughs> I'm up early on Sunday morning. 
showered, shaved, and clean. I'm looking good for Jesus because it's Sunday. You know what I mean. On Sunday, I put on my best, my best clothes, my best attitude, my best foot forward. I'm polished from the inside out. It's Sunday. Oh, but Monday's coming. Sunday's here. We sing, we pray, we give. Sunday's here. We hug, we greet. For him, we live. Sunday's here. But oh, Monday's coming. Sunday's here. We smile. We shake hands and we encourage. Oh, but Monday's coming. And we will surely be discouraged. Monday's here. The boss, the bills, the screaming kids. Monday's here. The car is broke. This is no joke. I just may blow my lid. It's hard to rhyme with kid. (laughs) It's sad to say that most weeks, when Monday comes, it's almost like Sunday was never here. It was the same thing. That triumphal entry, that amazingness of people presenting themselves before Jesus, proclaiming who he already knew he was, but just verifying it. It's it's almost like for a moment, there was a community of people going, hey, we get it. We get it. You're Jesus. You're the son of God. But then Monday came and they got sidetracked and they got caught up in that crowd mentality, that, that mob mentality. It's almost like Sunday was never here. Don't let this weird little poem be what describes your spiritual life. We're not meant to be like that crowd. We're, we're not meant to be self-reliant like the man in the illustration who, who comes into town with $500,000 in his bag. We are the called out ones. We are called to be different than that. We know the story and because we know the story, we should be living and daily singing Hosanna. In short, your faith has to be rock solid to weather the storms of life. And for you to be able to say Hosanna in the storms of life and not be swayed by the passing crowd, even his disciples, the people that loved him were shook to the core and they scattered when the crowd got too intense. As we come closer to encountering Jesus this year at Huntsville Christian Church, my prayer is that each one of us would follow the words from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yeah, brothers and sisters, Monday is coming. But take heart with that last part of that verse. Consider Jesus. Don't grow weary Don't lose heart. Monday is coming. And you know what? 
so was another Sunday. Let's live every day this week glorifying Jesus. Every day this week saying, Hosanna. Not just one day a year. Every day this week saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Live this week like every day is Sunday. Wake up. Put on your best everything for him. Even if you don't feel like getting out of bed. Get up and worship the King of Kings. Pray, repent, confess. Whatever you need to do to make every day a Sunday this week. Whatever you need to do to put yourself before him. Our King, our Prince of Peace gave his life for us. And the least we can do is live our life for him. I don't know what that looks like for each of you. Maybe, maybe you need to lay something down so that you can pick up the word of God and read it and study it like you're in Sunday school. Not like you have to, but like you want to. Maybe you need to fast this week. Maybe you need to be preparing yourself for the spiritual battle that's going on around you that just seems to overwhelm you right now. Maybe you need to leave a burden here today. Come forward and repent and rededicate and we will pray with you. We will be accountable to you. Maybe today is the day that you come forward and submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, accepting him as your savior and accepting his forgiveness through the waters of baptism. Is today the day that you partner with us and say, I don't want to be a passing person and swayed by the crowd. I want to sway the crowd. I want to impact the community for Jesus Christ. Whatever your decision is today, don't wait. Won't you come and let Jesus know that you will no longer just be a face in the crowd. That you will no longer be swayed, but that you will be a pillar of change and a sea of faces that come around you this week. He's calling us. Don't let this Easter season, this coming Resurrection Sunday, just be another day for you. Don't just let it be a fleeting glimpse. Don't wave palm branches one day and curse him the next. We don't want to be that generation. Will you stand and sing with us? And if you have a decision, make it.